Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. Welcome to the fourth and final episode on California, focusing on Central Valley and the Sierra foothills, regions which don't receive as much attention as the coastal regions, which I talked about in the previous three episodes, and which don't have as high a reputation either. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in these areas of California which are worth discussing and knowing about. And these regions are distinct from all the other regions which I discussed in the previous episodes because they are not influenced by the ocean. It's a very different climate, going from a Mediterranean climate to a continental climate. Central Valley is large and long, and this is the agricultural centre of California. I have to say that all the other wine regions which I've talked about in these episodes are noted by their beauty and places that you'd really want to visit. Central Valley, less so. It stretches from the end of the Cascade Mountains, which runs through uh, Washington and Oregon and Northern California, where it is spectacularly beautiful, and falls down into uh, towns like Redding and Chico. Uh, My wife is actually from Chico, and it is quite a pretty town, but it's very, very hot, well over 40 degrees in the summer, and some producers do try to make wine there. I wouldn't recommend trying it. It does get baking hot in Chico and not that cool at night, and that's um, indicative of Central Valley's climate. And then going down into Sacramento, which is the capital city of California, where again it gets very, very hot, but just below Sacramento is Lodi which is the one really high-quality region uh, for wine in Central Valley, and I'll talk about that in a bit more detail. And then heading south into towns like Stockton and Modesto, and then all the way down to Bakersfield, it's pretty grim territory, not that pretty, very flat, very rural farming territory, but this is where a lot of the fruit and veg for California and the rest of the US comes from. So pretty easy growing conditions. And so the grapes grown here are going to be um, machine-harvested, they're going to ripen very easily, very fruity, and they'll be going into a bulk wine or into generic blends. The biggest producer in California is Gallo. They're not just the biggest producer in California, they're the biggest producer in the world. And one of their brands is Barefoot, and they make 20 million cases of that a year alone. It's an absolutely huge production. Barefoot wines are inexpensive, not particularly good, but very widely drunk. And so the wines that Gallo makes from Central Valley do need to be known about because they are extremely important because they're so widely drunk and available, even if it's not what we might drink ourselves. Another very successful brand that Gallo make is Apothic, and that actually comes in several guises, uh, emphasising the the fruitiness and the heat and the alcohol, and even with the bourbon-aged Apothic as well. Extremely successful, absolutely undrinkable, but very, very popular. Um, and quite sweet as well, really appealing to US consumer who like a bit of um, sugar in their wines, as they do often in their food. But Gallo demonstrate that the old adage, the way to make a small fortune in wine is to start with a large one, is not always correct. Gallo are absolutely huge and extremely successful. And Gallo originates from an old Italian family, just like the Mondavis. The Mondavis originally uh, settled in Central Valley before moving to Napa and going down a different path, though an equally successful one, until they were forced to sell to another big corporation constellation. So Gallo, based in Modesto, just south of Lodi, very important um, producer. And the fact that they uh, go back to Italian immigrants gives a sense of th- that winemaking and grape growing in Central Valley is quite old and quite historic, and there is a lot of history here. And that really gets focused in Lodi. So Lodi is an AVA just south of Sacramento. In fact, the northwestern bit of Lodi actually goes into Sacramento's suburbs. And wine has been made here since the 19th century. And Lodi has 
unfortunately a low reputation that it doesn't always deserve. It is hot here, and the nights don't get particularly cool, so it's kind of associated with the rest of Central Valley for the big, full-bodied, fruity, unsubtle wines, and certainly those styles of wine made in Lodi. But it's a bit more complex than that. In 2006, Lodi was divided into seven uh, sub-AVAs, which may seem a bit excessive. Selling Lodi wine can be quite difficult because of its reputation, let alone trying to sell its sub-AVAs. Nevertheless, there is a reason and a logic to it. Because there are producers in Lodi really trying to raise its reputation, and rightly so, and they were behind this scheme to create these new AVAs to give Lodi a sense of identity, that it isn't just one monolithic uh, region producing one style of wine. There's actually a lot of different local climates in Lodi producing different styles of wine. So their hope is that as Lodi, Lodi's reputation enhances, people will look towards these sub-AVAs to really understand the region better. I think, don't think we're quite there yet, but we are getting there. People are beginning to appreciate Lodi more, especially as a lot of small producers based in places like Napa, which is much more prestigious, they might be winemakers who work for big uh, wineries producing expensive wine, but they want to produce something different and don't have the capital to buy Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. So they look to Lodi for fruit which is less expensive and also very diverse. There's a lot of different grape varieties planted in Lodi. And so these small experimental, experimental producers look towards Lodi for being able to make something different at an affordable price. And I think that is elevating the reputation of Lodi. So unlike the rest of Central Valley, Lodi does have a cooling influence uh, coming in from the Sacramento Delta. So the River Sacramento flows down from the Sierra Nevada mountains through Sacramento and it often kind of splits in different directions before uh, resuming its course as one river. And after Sacramento, as it heads towards San Francisco Bay, it splits in many different directions to create the Sacramento Delta. And this creates a gently cooling influence on Lodi which is why quality, good quality wine can be made in Lodi, unlike other regions in Central Valley. It's a very important influence. And in fact, in the Sacramento Delta, there are a couple of AVAs. There's Clarksburg and then Merritt Island. And Merritt Island is an actual island in the Sacramento Delta. And these two AVAs are most associated with Chenin Blanc. So Chenin Blanc has a long history in California, and one that doesn't really get talked about much anymore as it was uh, replaced with uh, more famous grape varieties like Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon, but historically quite important, and it has continued in these small AVAs, and again there's producers there making Chenin Blanc, and also producers from Napa sourcing their fruit from Clarksburg and Merritt Island. I don't think there's quite enough Chenin Blanc planted in California to really talk about a style of Chenin Blanc for, for California. Of course it's going to be more akin to South African Chenin Blanc, rather than Loire Chenin Blanc, because it's coming from a climate similar to South Africa's. But you still have that waxy honeycomb nose, but a nice fruitiness to the wine as well, and slightly higher alcohol and lower acidity than you would find in the Loire's. Not as delicate, but still um, some elegance to the wines. Going back to Lodi, in general it's quite flat, but there are, um, as you go towards the Sierra foothills, there are a couple of regions which do have a bit more elevation and are a bit more undulating. And one is Clements Hill, which is to the east of Lodi, and another is Slough House, which is northeast of Lodi. And elevation here can be as high as 300 metres, so emphasising that Lodi does have some variety to its um, growing conditions. To the north of Lodi as well, there's Alta Mesa, which means um, high table, 
also indicating a bit more elevation, though it is on a plateau. And another AVA that you may, might see on a label is Makalumne River, which is the river which flows through Lodi, and the AVA is just south of the town itself. So as I mentioned, lots of different grape varieties planted in Lodi. One important producer, producer is Bockish. This was set up in the 90s by a German guy called Marcus Bockish with his wife Liz, and he's half German and half Catalan. And he was inspired by the wines of Spain and saw in Lodi a very similar climate to um, inland Catalonia especially, which is also quite dry and arid and desert-like, and so decided to plant solely Spanish varieties, though he's expanded a little bit to Portuguese as well. And so he has planted Garnacha and Monastrel, Tempranillo, also Graciano, which is quite interesting, the kind of one of the lesser-known but very interesting Rioja grapes. And then for whites, there's also Alberino, which is very tasty, uh, Verdeco, and Verdeu as well, the Portuguese grape variety. And uh, so that gives an indication of the experimentation in Lodi, of working out which grape varieties work best in Lodi, and really trying to elevate the quality of Lodi wine. And also to indicate that Lodi isn't just about old vine Zinfandel, because that's what it's most famous for. And the old vine Zin is of good quality, with uh, plantings going back to the 19th century. These wines will be a bit more robust than Old Vines in Vidal of Sonoma County, a bit heavier, a bit higher in alcohol. Personally, I prefer the Zins of Sonoma to Lodi, but there's certainly some interesting Zin being made in Lodi, which is very um, popular and important. But those Old Vines, again, give an indication this is an historic region and one that shouldn't be overlooked. Central Valley is bordered to the west by the coastal mountain ranges which protect Central Valley from the ocean, and to the east by the Sierra Nevada mountain range, which separates California from Nevada. And the Sierra Foothills region is very different from Central Valley because it's all about elevation. And here again, the, con the climate is continental and it's warm, but the nights get cooler because it is so high, and plantings can be as high as 1100 meters. So very different from the flat Central Valley or the ocean-influenced coastal regions. Sierra Foothills is really where California's modern history begins with the gold rush of 1849. And one of the counties in the Sierra Foothills is El Dorado, named after the gold that was discovered there. The gold rush didn't last very long. It didn't take long for the gold to run out and for the, all the immigrants who had come in looking for gold to start doing other things, such as planting vines and making wine from them. And a lot of these immigrants were European and were heavily influenced by the wines that their families had made back in Europe. And so in the Sierra Foothills, a lot of history, really the, the beginnings of California, and so old vines here. And again, old vines in Mandel, like Lodi, very important, creating these robust, fruity, high alcohol wines. But they're a bit fresher in the Sierra Foothills because of the acidity that comes from the cooler nights. Also planted here is Barbera, and that began in the 1970s. And this is really the only region, besides a little bit in Sonoma, where Barbera is planted. But because it has naturally high acidity, um, the feeling is that it's quite well suited to the warm Sierra foothills. It will retain that acidity, plus those cooler nights. And I have to say, I haven't really tasted Barbera that's particularly compelling. But that's one of the great varieties that these regions have tried to associate with to create an identity. But in general, I think the most exciting wines coming from the Sierra Foothills are Rhone varieties, like Mourvedre, Grenache, and Syrah um, on their own or in blends. Tempranillo can be quite good as well. So it's interesting that great varieties suited to the Mediterranean climates in, uh, in Europe are well suited to the continental climates at altitude in the Sierra Foothills. 
One vineyard which is of particular interest is Shake Ridge Ranch, and that's um, got a lot of Rhone varieties planted there, and there's some exciting wines being made uh, from this vineyard by really good young producers, really raising the reputation of the Sierra foothills. Another vineyard is um, the Rorick Vineyard, which is planted by Matthew Rorick, and he's a fun character. And again, lots of experimentation there with Rome varieties and also Italian varieties as well. So there's a lot of fun being had in the Sierra foothills. Again, a region of California which isn't as highly regarded as Napa or Sonoma and therefore the land is expensive and reducers can have a bit more fun. In the Sierra foothills there's a few AVAs. El Dorado is the largest with those plantings at high elevation. And then just south of El Dorado is Amador County. And there's three AVAs within Amador. The California Shenandoah Valley. Confusingly, there's also a Shenandoah Valley um, in Virginia, I think. So that's why it's labeled California Shenandoah Valley. There's also Fair Play AVA, imaginatively named AVA, and Fiddletown. And I'd say right now, the names of El Dorado and Amador are probably more known to consumers than these smaller um, AVAs. But again, like Lodi, maybe a template for the future to distinguish the um, different climate zones and different styles of wine being made in those counties. And then another county in Sierra Foothills is Calaveras County, which is actually where the Rorick Vineyard is located. And again, that experimentation, uh, Gamay and Trousseau are being planted here to produce um, some interesting and very different wines from what California is known for. So I'm quite excited about what's happening in Sierra Foothills and Lodi as well. I think in the next 10 to 20 years, these regions will become much better known and have a much stronger sense of identity and certain producers will be driving uh, the quality and the reputation of these regions up and we'll be talking about them much more than we do now. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.